0: I am over the moon excited for this conversation with Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder of Osmia Skincare. Osmia makes skincare right, and Dr. Villafranco has done an amazing, absolutely incredible job of guiding and growing um, this small, independent, natural skincare business for the past 11 years. Osmia launched in 2012 and is still going strong now in 2023. And I think with today's conversation uh, with the brand, again, with brand founder, Dr. Sarah Villafranco, you'll understand why this skincare brand is so phenomenal and has made such an impact in the market. Before we get into our conversation today, This is a quick reminder that on Saturday, July 29th, I'll be hosting a workshop at Affirmations of Wellness Yoga Studio in Oceanside, California, on creating your own body oil for menstrual cycle support. And in this, we are going to talk about different botanical carrier oils that support your cycle, in addition to different essential oils that support your cycle. And specifically, what we're doing is talking in detail about conditions like pcos endometriosis perimenopause so this is typically presents with low estrogen and or low progesterone and uh, of course no conversation around menstrual cycle support would be complete without talking about cramping either during that pms that premenstrual phase or during your period itself so we're covering all of those conditions and talking about Different essential oils, and again, also different carrier oils that support each of these conditions during that workshop, which is from noon until 3 on the last Saturday in July, Saturday, July 29th, at Affirmations of Wellness Yoga Studio in Oceanside, California. You'll find a link to sign up at in today's show notes. In addition, there will be a bonus episode launching just after today's episode that gives you a little sneak peek into what that workshop will look like. And in that, in this bonus episode, what we'll be discussing in particular is ways to support your cycle when you have PMS and when you have cramps during your period. So if you're not already subscribed to Holistic Wellness... Be sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode when it drops. And of course, if you are local to North County, San Diego and wondering how to spend a few hours on that last Saturday, how to get out of the heat, then be sure to join us at Affirmations of Wellness for that craft your own body oil for menstrual cycle support workshop. One more quick announcement before we get into today's episode. Rain Organica is now a certified B Corp. That's right. Recently, Rain Organica completed the pretty arduous certification process to become a B Corp. This was something that took me over a year to complete all of the steps required in a that certification process. And it's something that, of course, our efforts in sustainable manufacture of skincare products played a key role into uh, obtaining that certification and being able to obtain that certification. And in addition to that, our partnerships with organizations like Sustainable Harvest International, which essentially trains up individual farmers across Central America and parts of Mexico to practice sustainable agriculture. So agroforestry, uh, I'll, I'll link in today's show notes to a conversation I had with the founder of Sustainable Harvest International, Florence Reed, a couple of years ago, where she really goes deeper into, and you know, we talk more deeply about what Sustainable Harvest International is doing across Central America and Mexico, and I'm still so proud To be partnered with SHE, um, Sustainable Harvest International, and um, yeah, that partnership is something else that just really um, pushed Rain Organica over the edge and, you know, racked up those additional points needed to become a certified B Corp. Also, in today's show notes, to read more on this, there's a full section of the website now dedicated to. Um, you know, t- discussing this certification more and talking about Rainer Canica as a B Corp more. So head to the, that link in today's show notes for more on that. And now, let's dive in. Welcome to Holistic Wellness, a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, pharmaceutical formulations development scientist, certified health coach, and fertility awareness instructor. I'm also the founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll discover a path to clearer, hormonally balanced skin in three easy steps. Today, I'd like to welcome Sarah Villafranco, the founder of Osamia Skin Care to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Would you mind starting off just sharing a little bit about Azea?
1: Yeah. So we are a natural skincare brand based outside of Aspen, Colorado, and our mission is really just healthier, happier skin. Um, We, um, try to use sort of nature's simplest, most powerful ingredients to get great results for people, even with pretty tricky skin conditions like dermatitis, eczema, and acne. I spent um, in my previous career 10 years as an emergency room physician, and I think that um, education, training, and practice sort of um, allowed me to get this really cool um, perspective on, on health and wellness and how we can participate in our own health in sort of a joyful way. And that's really what we try to do
0: with the brand. So starting off with Osmia Care, have you always been soaps and lotions and all of it? Or did it start off? How did it start off?
1: Um, I I tend to be like an all or nothing kind of girl. Um, and so I started, um, the company after really, I took a class making soap and I, um, so that was the first thing I learned to do. And, um, it was right after my mom died and my, um, second daughter was born. So I was in this like grief hormone, perfect storm situation. And I just, I'd been practicing for 10 years and I felt, um, I loved medicine. I still love medicine, but I felt like I was working in a pretty broken system. And I was sort of having to do a lot of things that didn't make all that much sense to me. Um and so I I like needed to do something different just to shake up my brain and have some creative outlet. And so I took a class making soap. And then that was, I mean, it was like a that, you know, instant brain chemistry switch for me where I loved the hard science of soap making. Like um, if you don't get the chemistry right, you end up with what I like to call not soap. (laughs) Um, and so um, that chemistry is sort of non-negotiable and I love that piece of it but then there's so much artistry to be woven into soap and it can be so much more than a mundane thing that you use in your shower Um, so then once I kind of dialed in the soap making and got to where I had a bunch of soap things that I loved at that point I was deep into the research about ingredients and um, really pretty stunned at what I was finding about the stuff we're using on our skin every day. So then I thought, well, I'm not gonna launch a brand until I can kind of cover someone head to toe um, in healthy ingredients. And so by the time we launched, and by the way, I do not recommend this for anybody starting a brand, I had like 30 SKUs when I launched and it's just, it was wow. bananas. I mean, just, it's crazy to try to grow a brand. We have 50 something now. I mean, it's, it's nuts. We're actually like starting to pull some SKUs back because it's just, it's too hard to support such a broad distribution, especially because we make most of the products ourselves. So it's just, um, yeah, I recommend starting smaller than
0: I did, but, but yes, I started <laughs> the whole thing. So while you were, well, first of all, you brought up two pieces of this conversation that I very much like to get into, um, you know, over the course of this episode, one of those being elevating beyond the mundane, and then the second one being the ingredients. And so maybe we'll start out with the ingredients piece of what were you finding that people, you know, that are in all of these mass produced, uh, lotions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things like there's a lot of fear mongering going on out there. And I want to say at the start that I'm not really interested in that because, um, you know, I didn't start the brand to take advantage of a bunch of like buzzwords and start throwing the word non-toxic around and not know what it means. Right. So I dug in really hard early days to figure out where there was science and, or emerging science and, So, if you um, look on our packaging, let's see one of our boxes right here. But if you look on our packaging, you'll see something called the tox screen. And I use that term because it's a term we used in the emergency room. So, someone comes in, they're sort of um, non communicative or seem to be intoxicated in one way or another. We don't know what's in their system. We run what's called a tox screen, right? And that tells us do they have benzodiazepines? Do they have opiates? Do they have, you know, marijuana? Do they have alcohol? Like, what do they have in their system? And we kind of know what we're working with. We t- I took it on our packaging to be like, here are the things you're not going to find in our um, products, just so that it's like a quick, like, let me scan this. Okay. And there's like, I think there's seven ingredients there. So I, these are the ones that I chose. I chose um, parabens, phthalates, petrochemicals, ethoxylated ingredients, um, synthetic fragrance, synthetic color, and sulfates. So those are the, the seven things. Now, The places that after 10 years of being in this business now, the places that I think I see the most compelling evidence, either in scientific studies or in my observation, um, which I count because it's 10 years of of observing people with skin issues now, um, the the places that I think are the most important are parabens from a, a scientific standpoint, and um ethoxylates from an environmental standpoint and sulfates from a skin irritation standpoint and synthetic fragrance as well from the irritation both skin irritation and just general um systemic irritation those are those are sort of the things where i'm like okay your eczema is not getting better until you get rid of synthetic fragrance and um sodium lauryl, sodium lauryl sulfate. It's just not gonna happen. Like it might make, might get a little better, but as long as you are continuing to assault it on a daily basis by wearing clothing that you've washed in Tide, it's not going away.
0: Yeah, and I love what you just said about that because I think in my own health journey, it was it was tackling these little pieces. It was doing all the glamor work without necessarily getting to the core of the issue. So I really love that you mentioned that, um, with, I think just anyone listening, the ingredient that you are, the class of ingredients that you just listed that maybe they're not as familiar with would be a thoscillate.
1: Yeah. So, I'm sorry. It's such a dorky, like scientific word, but it's, um, It's essentially anything that has been ethoxylated and what basically you have a skincare ingredient, let's say it's something that uh, I mean a really, really common one is phenoxyethanol. So phenoxyethanol is a preservative um, that's very effective preservative and I want to be clear I think skincare if it has a water component must be preserved I'm not an anti preservative person because that's dangerous right. It has to be preserved, but it can be done so with pretty healthy ingredients. And I'm also not saying phenoxyethanol is going to give you cancer. So I want to be clear about that, too. But (laughs) phenoxyethanol is an ethoxylated petrochemical. So it falls out of our formulas for those two reasons. Not so much because there's been uh, a ton of um, sort of scientific evidence showing that it causes disease in humans, particularly. But to your question about ethoxylates, it's just mean it's been treated, whatever the the ingredient is, it's been treated with ethylene oxide, which is, by the way, a carcinogen. The process of ethoxylation um, causes essentially uh, a byproduct of of something called 1,4-dioxane. And 1,4-dioxane is a contaminant in most water sources, most groundwater at this point. Um, And it has... Not It's maybe a carcinogen and definitely a mutagen, meaning it causes mutations in smaller species like um, fish and frogs and stuff. And I kind of really care about the little creatures we share the earth with. Um, and so that's really the reason that we don't use it is just because of the environmental contamination aspect of ethoxylation.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Sure. And... I also feel like in addition to those that you listed, um, you are, the brand itself goes beyond that in assessing ingredients just for their bioaccumulation as well. And for instance, here, I'm thinking specifically about EDTA.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just hasn't, it hasn't, it never, there are certain things that like didn't even come into my thinking to use. Right. Like, so yeah. there's some stuff that's like not in our talk screen that, you know, that isn't shown on our packaging, but that just didn't even occur to me to be used because I was like, eh, like what, why would I, there's, yeah, you know, there's just so many better options out there. So, yeah. um, like silicones, that, that type of stuff, like, right. like I just, I don't feel the need to use them. And so, yeah, there is a whole lot of ingredients <laughs> that we leave behind, but, um, <laughs> you know, not more just because I didn't really have interest in them. Okay. And I mean, and yes, I'm sure that I just didn't, I didn't find the evidence to be like, so the seven that I chose, I had like hard studies that kind of made me feel like this is a, you know, non-negotiable. The other stuff was more like junk food. I was like, would I put it like, that does nothing for me. does nothing for the formulation, does nothing for your skin. Why would I put it in?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Ah, yes. And so the equating your skincare products to diet, this is actually one of the things that I love to do. And I love that parallel that you just drew there by, you know, equating silicones to junk food. That's, it's very, it's quite a beautiful analogy.
1: It's a simple analogy. I mean, it's, it's a car you put, junky fuel in, you're going to get junky performance and it happens with your nutrition and it happens with your skin too.
0: Yeah. So one of the kind of expanding beyond, because one of the things that Osmia skincare is known for is helping people with perioral dermatitis and (laughs) maybe that's a mouthful. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, Can we maybe talk about your passion for, I mean, it it, it spans beyond perioral dermatitis. However, it's just, (laughs) um, it's just the fact that, you know, that is definitely one that you have so much literature on your website and like so much passion for, and this shows up in social media and other places as well. So let's talk about that for a few minutes.
1: Sure. And you know, the reason I'm passionate, one of the reasons I'm passionate is because I have it right? So of course, like a lot of skincare brand founders, they're trying to solve a problem for themselves. Uh, Ultimately, we're all selfish and vain to some degree. And, you know, I mean, I, I hated having this situation on my face that just made me feel so uncomfortable. And yes, it's you know, first world problems, or whatever you want to call it. But the fact is, if you're interacting with people every day with a skin condition, that's really, really noticeable. And you can tell people are kind of looking away or trying not to look at that part of your face or what it just undermines your sense of who you are. And you start to redefine yourself in a way that doesn't feel true. And that's why I really like identify with people who are struggling with this condition. So um, the, and <laughs> the truth of, um, how I got onto making mine go away was that it was a bit of an accident. Um, I was out to make a beautiful bar of black soap. That's like, I remember growing up and my friend, uh, Stacy's mom, who was this super posh woman who had that cool gray streak in her hair. And she smoked like the really long cigarettes. And she just was like this, I don't know, really interesting character. She used to use this bar of soap by Erno Laszlo. Do you remember that bar? No. It's like, it's like a $47 bar of soap, but it's pitch black. <laughs> um, and by the way, filled with a lot of ingredients that I would not use in a bar of soap. But I always loved, it was sort of sexy. And I was like, I want to make a cool, sexy bar of black soap. And so I did, and I made our black clay facial soap. And I started using it and saw my dermatitis Start to settle down for the first time in years, despite having tried truly, I mean, the whole straight up Western derm route and the, you yeah. know, putting olive oil and powdered sugar on my. I tried everything. And so when I saw my dermatitis start to go away, I was like, oh, is it the soap? So I stopped and it came back, started and it went away again. And then I realized like, okay, this is, there's a cause and effect here. And then I started just passing out chips of black clay facial. soap to random people on the street, I was like, hi, do you see that redness around your nose and your smile lines? That's called perioral dermatitis. Would you like to try this bar of soap that I formulated and just kept getting more and more feedback from people who were like, wow, this is actually helping. And if you look on our, you know, our site now, there's like over a thousand reviews of that one little bar. Um, from people who have really seen a difference in their skin. Why does it work? Probably um, dead sea mud is is my guess. It's hugely um, rich in minerals and in sulfur. And sulfur is both anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial. And I think it just takes things down a notch. So Um, So when I then when I figured that out, then I thought, okay, well, I had been testing every like oil known to the planet on my face because I wanted to know exactly how each one sat on your skin and how it penetrated and how long it lasted and kind of, you know, be able to really understand how these oils felt so that I could use them in combination in a way that made a lot of sense. But it turns out PD does not like oils at all. And so I realized the more water-based things I was using on my skin, the happier my skin got. And that's when I developed Purely Simple Face Cream um, as a, you know, sort of, it's not water, but it's aloe, which is water soluble as the main ingredient. It has a lower percentage of oils than most creams have. And so that's why that product seems to help dermatitis um, in a lot of cases as well. So, and then, like I said, I mean, you you have to make other lifestyle changes and that's the piece that's sometimes really hard to get people onto, especially if they don't have much of an interest in natural stuff, right? Like if they're full on, I love chemicals, I'll put gas on my face. If you tell me it will make me look younger. Like there's, and sometimes those folks end up with PD too. And they don't want to give up their laundry detergent or their perfume or their um shampoo and conditioner. And I'm like, you got to, you have to make all of the changes if you want to not struggle with this for the next two decades of your life. Like if you want it not to come back every single time it has an opportunity to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's kind of switch gears and talk about the word osmia.
1: Yeah. Also a nerdy medical reference. Um, And it was pre COVID. I started the company in 2012. And I was looking for um, something that, you know, was a word that was sort of nice to say and was a little different. And I was looking through medical words and I came across the word anosmia, which is the inability to smell. And people know that now because of COVID. Um, if you're pregnant, you often have hyper osmia where you can smell things from a mile away. Um, sometimes certain brain conditions can cause a situation called parosmia, which is an altered sense of smell where you smell like truck fumes or cigarettes or something. Um, but there wasn't a word that was just osmia the only place it existed is as a genus of bee so there are osmia bees which if you have time to google osmia bee nests they create their nests out of flower petals and they're the most beautiful pieces of art you'll ever see in the animal kingdom it's so cool um anyway but that's what it means is really like I wanted it to mean a sense of smell because I was very invested in the smell component of a lot of our products and I also wanted it to pull back a step and mean a sense of your life and just like let our products remind you to drop in and just be in that moment for a second and then you go to the, feed the dog and get to work and deal with screaming kids and whatever. But, like, if you can take that one second to be and be there for yourself, great.
0: I, this is the first time I heard about the bees, Sarah. I think this just adds a whole nother layer to that word for your brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um so okay speaking of Osnia, what you just said, that was profound. Like I'm over here about ready to cry, quite <laughs> honestly. That was beautiful. Um and with the Osnia products, because that fragrance is such a signature of the brand. And here when we're talking fragrance, of course, we're talking those essential oil blends. And yeah. This aromatherapeutic part of the brand. Um, I mean, really, from Osmias, all the way from your seasonal uh, limited edition, whether this is the whether whatever that looks like, whatever form it takes, whether it's the soaps, your craft series, whatever. Um, how, I guess, what inspired you to really start those craft series?
1: You know, I think, um, I think it's just a celebration of the seasons. You know, um, I live in a place where we have four seasons. Granted, the winter is the longest of all of them, <laughs> but um, we have four seasons and I'm, I'm pretty tapped into the the smells that go along with each. I always have been, right? Like that petrichor after a summer rain or the smell of, um, you know, earth as it's coming out from under snow. Um, in the last three days, I've watched snow melt and crocuses bloom on our property. And, and it's about to dump some more snow. So I feel bad for the crocuses. Um, but, you know, those things, the the sense of smell that sort of it, it connects us so instantly to things, right. And like the um, here's yet another nerdy medical thing. So your olfactory nerve, which is your, the nerve with which you smell is the only one of our 12 cranial nerves that is actually exposed to the external environment. So inside your nose, there's something called the cribriform plate and the nerve endings of the olfactory nerve stick down through this plate and they actually contact the air. And there are no other cranial nerves that do that. And the way I think of it is it's sort of like, it's like the expressway into your brain. So these, you know, the receptors at the end of the the olfactory nerve come in contact with these aroma molecules and they get on the the HOV lane and they just zoom right into, you know, the sort of emotion and uh, memory zones of your brain, um, which are very tied also into sort of, what like lizard brain primal stuff right and that's why like you can walk into a room and all of a sudden be thinking about your grandmother and not know why and then eventually someone like hands you something and that is like or you see a stack of fresh cedar wood and you realize that cedar smell is was your grandmother's closet and you like you didn't even know what was going on it happened so fast that you were just remembering your grandmother and you weren't sure why Right. And so the power of that was always really clear to me. And so. Um, and So so then I also like I have my own memory of my childhood. My mom was a lawyer in Washington, D.C., and she was a, a partner in a law firm at a time when they did not make accommodations for women to become partners. And so, um, you know, she's trying to have babies and be a partner and just working incessantly and so hard and. I didn't see her that much as a kid, but when I, when she was home, I'd sit like in the bathroom while she was doing her routine. And I remember her using um, Clarins oils, Clarins facial oils, which, you know, contain a lot of ingredients now that I wouldn't use, but back then was sort of more on the natural side and actually did use some essential oils. Um, And I remember seeing her slow down. Like I could see she would start her routine and then when she would smell, I could see her just stop and like inhale and slow everything down as she would put these oils on her face. and I, And I kind of, I saw that the power of that as well. So I think that's why my fascination with scent, you know, wove itself into our formulas. Although we also have a lot of unscented products for people who are super sensitive and just can't handle any smell, which is a thing.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there, okay. There are so many directions that I want to take this, <laughs> um, in, in the interest of time, just maybe kind of um, pulling back for a second. Uh, actually, I want to ask one more question about the enrollment therapy piece of it. Um, because you have spent quite a bit of time researching all of these different smells and how they impact the body. I mean, you you talk about Dr. Robert Tisserand and some other like, renowned people within the aromatherapy space. So let's, let's talk about that just a little bit in more detail for a few minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, a few years back, and I posted a reel on our Instagram about this, I don't know, a year or two ago there was an article in the New York times uh, that said something like "Are essential oils in skincare, killing your skin or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but, and it was about, um, people using products with essential oils and having really terrible skin reactions, which can happen. Right. Um, but like reading about this specific products, you know, like one was like a peppermint face mask and I'm like, <sighs>
0: Well, Who's yeah,
1: mint on your face, who I want to know. Right. And, yeah. you know, another one was, I can't remember what it was. Somebody who, I, I can't remember what the examples were, but there were like two or three examples where in this article, I'm like, well, okay. Essential oils are medicine. And if you want to use them willy nilly and just put a bunch of crap in a, in a formula because it smells good together. Yeah. They're going to be consequences. And so, you know, I I think using them properly and in the right concentrations and combinations, they're super powerful and potentially really helpful. And are there still people who can't tolerate them? Yes, absolutely, there are. But I think it's really, really important to educate yourself. A lot of these essential oils have dermal maximums, which, I mean, that's to Saron's book right there. Um, Essential oils Safety. deep. Um, I look every time I create a craft series, every time I create anything, I'm looking at dermal maximums and I'm looking at uh, safety in pregnancy and I'm looking at um, any other, you know, there's a couple where if you have a history of a seizure disorder, you really shouldn't be using this essential oil, et cetera. So, I mean, it's really important to to look that stuff up and to, to know it. Um, and And so, yeah, I think it's, that's a piece about the, a lot of the smaller brands started by people who don't have a scientific background and who, um, are really passionate about plants and and that's a beautiful thing, but you, you have to be a scientist when it comes to skincare formulations, because you can cause a lot of trouble for people.
0: Yeah. And thank you for bringing up pregnancy because that was something else that I wanted to talk about. (laughs) So this is something else that uh, skincare does a great job of listing out which essential oils are safe for use during pregnancy. You have several blog posts on this, and it's something that you talk about. And then in addition, you mentioned that you have entire fragrance-free lines um, for people who are sensitive to smells for any reason. Okay. For the pregnancy piece of it, by heck. Well, by the time you started Osmia, you'd already had both of both of your daughters. Was it yeah. something that you started for any of your friends someone that worked at Osmia or just with the knowing that, um, you know, this is what pregnant women are going to be interested in?
1: Yeah. And not only that, I know that um, when you, after you've had a baby, you, you want to be careful about what you're using, especially if you're going to have a lot of, you know, which hopefully you are going to have a lot of contact with the baby you know babies systems are pretty like labile and fragile for six to 12 months so they really shouldn't have any essential oils in their lives for that first year ish um, some people start, you know, after six months, but I think it's really important to be able to have, um, products that moms can use on themselves and use on their babies and just not worry about it because there's like yeah. it's enough during that time, it's enough to worry about. It's enough to try to sleep. Yeah. And is your milk coming in and, and is the baby pooping? And I mean, it's like enough. You shouldn't have to think about what you're putting on your skin and the stuff they send you home from the hospital with is like. I just, I just can't believe we're still sending people home with that stuff. It's like shocking yeah. to me, but it's a little behind the times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Is there any, let's see. So we talk about, talked about pregnancy and postpartum. And so Yeah. It sounds like during that postpartum period, it's just, it's best to avoid any kind of essential oil at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, if you, um, let's say you are in a good pattern and you put the baby to bed and you want to take a shower and you want to put some night body oil or something with a little bit of lavender and help you sleep through the night, you're probably fine by the morning to nurse again and that kind of stuff. I think you've got to weave a little common sense into it. There's no hard science on any of it. And even within the essential oil expert community, there is disagreement, right? So like a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner might say something different than an aromatherapist might say something different than Robert Tisserand, right? And so that I tried in our blog post about essential oils during pregnancy, I tried to like synthesize the, the how can I bring this all into one point of view? Cause it's, it's a little tricky. But there's very there are a few essential oils like penny royal and birch that just should not be used by pregnancy or by pregnant people ever for any reason um, because of the chance of it causing a miscarriage or um, loss of the pregnancy. And so um, but they're just they're so few. And the rest of it is kind of like just doing the best we can with the information we have um so you know i guess i just i say you know if you want to err on the side of safety and not worry about anything (laughs) then you know six months to a year of no scent in your products and that's going to include your hair care and your laundry detergent please 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 everybody change your laundry detergent and not just to something or other free and clear, right? Let's change it to something that doesn't have SLS in it also. So you gotta get rid of the fragrance and the SLS so your little baby doesn't have eczema and all kinds of dermatitis and little rashes.
0: Okay. As we start to wrap up, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about?
1: Hmm. Um, you know, I sort of was looking a little over your, your background and it's, um, I guess I would ask you, how do you stay, um, hopeful because like within my own little echo chamber, like, you know, our 45,000 followers on Instagram and our, you know, loyal customer base who all like, are signed up to, to use healthy ingredients and save the planet and, um, and help themselves get out of their skin condition, whatever it is. And, and they're willing to like invest financially, emotionally, energetically in making changes. But then like it's like you take one lap through any major airport and you're assaulted with so many synthetic sense and so people with um just such an array of people using products that you know are just so terrible (laughs) for the world and their health and sometimes like after 10 years in the industry like um, i'm still here with my little megaphone like you know trying to spread the word but it's like sometimes it feels really hard to make change and um to get people on board to help themselves. So I guess I'm asking you how you stay hopeful about that and um, if you have any, and because you work in a world that is linked to um, chemicals, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I just, any thoughts you could share about, about how we continue to share education and create create meaningful change in a way that feels positive and good to people?
0: Oh, um, that's a great question, Sarah. So I think part of it is, yes, my day job is in pharma. And I myself have had this incredible, just looking back over the history of my life, I've had my own incredible transformation from where I started Mm -hmm. as very much reliant on Western medicine, from Mm -hmm. the get go, like from, from birth. I, my mom had to have a C-section. The umbilical was wrapped around my neck twice. Um, (laughs) so I was very, very reliant on Western medicine for the first, I would say four decades of my life and very much let myself be gaslighted by what, um, Western medicine can provide. And here, I'm not saying that Western medicine should be thrown out with the bath water, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's also this huge divide between where Western science is, which is so much farther ahead than Western medicine and where Western medicine is. And then there's also all of the money that comes into play. But what get, what keeps me hopeful is grassroots movements. It's people like Mac, Mike Gaskins, who wrote In the Name of the Pill, just talking about the dangers of birth control and really bringing that to light and- it's looking back and thinking about where I was and where I am now, um, mm-hmm. in my own life and having that as, as something that I can really connect to and say, it's like, I have had my own awakening. And I mm-hmm. think that awakening is possible for each and every person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it looks very different for every single one of us. I know my sister is still in the throes of sleep. I, I feel like she's very much anesthetized now. Um, to, you know, what, to just, yeah, where we are, what these, what this sea of chemicals is doing um, to our bodies and to our environment and to our world, um, but then just also connecting with other people and seeing that, seeing the path that other people have blazed, um, the path of their own awakening, I think it keeps me helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not walking around like Eeyore, you know, saying there's yeah. you no, know, but like once in a while I just get surprised where I'm like, wow, like I said, with the, uh, you know, a friend of mine came home from the hospital and had a baby and she had the, you know, I'm not going to drop brand names, but she had like this baby wash. And I just was like, I can't, like, really? It's, I, yeah. I'm so like, wow. And so sometimes I just get caught off guard by the ways in which we have stayed the same. Um, but I'll keep singing my song. And you know, hope I it, it's just, I think it's just hard, like, um, as a small brand that doesn't have like a ton of funding to feel like you can move the needle. And it's such an important needle to move. And I'm so grateful for people who are out there, you know, in all areas, Mark Hyman and, you know, Casey Means and like all these people who are, um, sort of calling medicine out for like wait guys <laughs> this doesn't it really doesn't make sense how we practice which is why i left the er right because i was like this doesn't this doesn't actually make a lot of sense we're not talking to people of what they're eating we're not talking to them about how they're managing stress we're not talking to them about getting outside and moving like this is literally the fundamental building blocks of of human health and the absence of those things will result in disease period end of story and so how are we not talking about it and like i got more and more frustrated with that which is why i left so i feel like there is a movement happening at least in medicine but i feel like the skincare piece is kind of like a sad little hitchhiker you know along for the ride and i'm i'm hoping we can stay along for the ride and that the general awareness that's growing um about you know nutrition will kind of naturally fall into place for people um when it comes to skincare as well um because ingredients are ingredients whether they're in or on um so yeah I, I think there are good things happening but it's just it does sometimes feel like you're sort of yelling into the void and that can be that can be frustrating especially I guess the other piece that's frustrating is just when when brands come in and do the whole greenwashy thing um right you know, we are so clean and we're non-toxic and we're this and we're that. And I'm over here going like, sorry, um, you're not though. Like you're, you're not, you're actually just lying. (laughs) And that's really frustrating for a small brand that's like been really trying to do things right and tell the truth from day one. Um, and so that, and that kind of stuff, like whatever, that's just the way of the world. I get it. Um, but sometimes it's a bummer.
0: Yeah. And I totally agree. Um, I think what you mentioned with the nutrition piece and you're hoping skincare will tag along, for me, I had the exact opposite story. For me, it's always been the skincare first. And then it's what you said earlier in the conversation. It's not just your skincare. It's not just your diet. It's everything that's going into your body. So it was me taking a hard look at, (laughs) oh yeah, but I'm still taking hormonal birth control. Like, huh, could that be causing some of my problems? And you know, it's this—it's this huge piece. But it took all of these other things. It took all of these other changes. It took all of this other like, it was—it was an evolution of the mind. It wasn't just waking up one day and being like, okay, it's all—it's all clean, and you know, my life's great now, or or right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Evolution um.
1: A good word for it.
0: Yeah, there was something else as you were talking that I thought about, but it's escaped me already, so.
1: Yeah, well, welcome to my perimenopausal brain, that's (laughs) the normal way. It'll come back, you can email me. All
0: right, (laughs) how can people connect with you?
1: Um our website, which is osmiaskincare.com. And that's our handle on all social platforms, Osmia Skincare. So
0: Care. So okay. those places. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sarah.
1: Thanks, Brandi. I appreciate it. And it was nice to chat with you in person instead of just seeing you on TikTok.
0: <laughs> yeah. Same here. It was very nice to talk with you in person instead of watching IG stories.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Seguing off today's conversation, the next episode here on Holistic Wellness will be a bonus episode where we talk about, well, we spend quite a bit of time talking about PMS and also period cramps and mood swings that go along either during that premenstrual phase or during your period itself. And then we just turn the conversation to tie in more with today's episode where we talk about some specific essential oils that support you if you are one who is prone to experience either cramping or nausea, uh, typically goes along with cramping, or mood swings either during your premenstrual phase or during your period itself. This episode offers a peek into what we'll be covering during the workshop at the end of July. And this workshop, where you will have the opportunity to craft your own body oil for menstrual cycle support, host or provided at Affirmations of Wellness Yoga Studio in Oceanside, California on the last Saturday in July. That's Saturday, July 29th from noon until three. We'll be discussing in more detail different problems that are kind of, you know, more typical for women uh, during your cycle and whether this is PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, whether this is endometriosis, and yes, we'll actually talk about endometriosis and what essential oils help support that condition, whether this is perimenopause. And perimenopause, uh, however this is presenting for you, this might be presenting with low estrogen during your follicular phase. It may be presenting with low progesterone. It may be presenting with a very short luteal phase. Um, so your your periods are happening more and more quickly with less time in between them, whatever that looks like, like whatever you're experiencing, just know that a healthy menstrual cycle is possible and essential oils are one tool in your toolbox for helping you to achieve a healthier cycle. And so during that workshop, we go into that more. In addition, this bonus episode offers a great transition between the topic of today's episode, where we we're talking about clean skin care, you know, we we're talking about all things osmia. So this is both clean skin care and then the essential oil aspect of osmia. And the bonus episode with tying in the essential oils to menstrual cycle support and a healthy menstrual cycle ties into a regularly scheduled episode for next Friday with pelvic floor therapist and Mercier therapist, Gina Valdez. And in that episode, we'll be talking about the health of your reproductive organs. So your ovaries, your uterus in particular, we'll be talking about how Mercier therapy helps support the health of these organs and the health And a healthy menstrual cycle, so leading back into that healthy menstrual cycle, and healthy menstrual cycle being pain-free cycles that, you know, are somewhat regularly scheduled. And in addition to that, also pelvic floor support. So this is more a focus on the bladder in particular, and that sets the stage for a deep dive into an episode where we go deep into interstitial cystitis and recurrent UTIs. So that is what's coming up next on the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please take a quick second to share today's episode with a friend and subscribe to Holistic Wellness. And before you leave, would you consider leaving a five-star review for this podcast? It means the world to me when you take the time to leave a review, and it helps so much with spreading the word about this podcast. You're more than welcome to send a screenshot of that review over to hey at rainorganica.com. That's hey as in H-E-Y at rainorganica.com, and you'll receive a token of appreciation in return. All right. Until next time. Bye.